All right, good morning. Kids, you can uh, take off. Don't leave the building. Just go to your class. Well, how's everybody? I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm going to address the elephant that's not in the room, if that's okay. If you're new here, I'm sorry. It's a joke that we've been telling for about eight weeks, and uh, today is, uh, is a new day for the Branch Church, and uh, I, d- I do want to press in uh, a little bit to where we are and specifically where we're going, if that's okay. So if you're here this morning and you've been around for a bit and you're expecting a sermon on the introduction to Exodus, it is coming. It is just not coming today. So if you need to go ahead and pack up, um, you're not going to hurt my feelings. You will, so maybe don't do that. But um, we're going to, we've been going through Genesis as a, really as a primer to jump into Exodus. And with Gabe's departure and my stepping in, uh, we felt like it was a good time for us just to pause. And uh, Gabe preached his last sermon last week uh, through, really he kind of preached the last two weeks through Thessalonians, as, really as a way to say, here's the gospel charge in, the, in my goodbye. And what I want to do in this is not my first Sunday preaching to you. Uh, so this is, you know, somebody asked me, like, how are you feeling? It's like, this feels kind of like a normal Sunday. Um, and I'm thankful for that. And I hope you are too, not because it's me, but because it's, uh, we're not having to go outside. This is the work of discipleship and uh, training up leaders. And I, I believe that one day I'll preach my last sermon here and it'll be someone sitting here who will preach the next week. I mean, that's all we can pray for. And um, so what I want to do today and really over the next couple of weeks, we're entering Easter and um, we do Easter here every week if you're, if you're not familiar with the branch. Um, but today what I want to do is I want to go to Pentecost, which we're going to do Easter a little backwards. And next week we're going to press into Palm Sunday. We're going to celebrate Easter together. And then that next week we're going to dive into Exodus and we'll be there for uh, for a good while. I think we're like 52, 54 weeks uh, right now, so and that probably add a couple here or there. Um, but what I want to do, if, if you're okay, just to settle and, and to pray as we dive in. And if you have your Bible, we'll be in Acts chapter 2 uh, this morning. So Father, we thank you for today, a beautiful day to come and to sing glory to your name. We're thankful that you are Lord of our salvation and um, God, we're grateful for the way that you have built your church here in this gymnasium and in this city of Dahlonega for your glory. And so we pray uh, today that you would help give us the courage, give us the conviction and the wisdom uh, to press into you today uh, for your glory and for the good of those that you've sovereignly placed in our lives. So I'm thankful for uh, just the way that you've prepared uh, my family to step in here uh, today. It does feel like a, uh, like a new beginning, and I'm grateful. And so as we dive into your word today, I pray that you help uh, for us to be faithful, help me to be faithful to what you have for us this morning. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. So two weeks ago, um, I uh, preached Megan's grandmother's funeral and um, I was reminded that uh, the church is not a place. Have you, do you know that? The church is not a place. Uh, we meet here week after week. There's probably going to come a day, some point, when we're not going to meet here, uh, Lord willing, where we don't have to set up and tear down and the, maybe the, the chairs stack themselves. I don't know. 
but the church is not a place. And in Montgomery, Alabama, a couple weeks ago, um, I was reminded of that. And uh, I was also reminded that the, the church is fluid. The church is supposed to bend around and care for other people. The church is an organism that is designed, used by God in the world to do one thing. And it's what we just sang, and it's almost like we planned that on purpose, to sing glory to God. That's it. To sing it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And so what I want to do this morning is I kind of want to just take a 30,000-foot view of who we are, the branch specifically, but who we are as brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you're not a Christian here, I hope that you will see over the course of the next weeks and months and years that what we talk about is who we are is played out in our everyday life, that we don't just say things, we do things. And that is what the church is supposed to be. And whether you're in Dahlonega, Georgia, or Montgomery, Alabama, or to the ends of the earth, that is what we are called to do, to go and make disciples. And so that's where I want us to go uh, today. So if you have your Bible, we'll be in Acts chapter 2. A familiar passage, one that uh, the church was really built on. This is uh, Jesus at this point has, uh, he's been crucified. He has uh, been buried. He is resurrected and he has now ascended. And um, we are post the Holy Spirit. This is post Pentecost. And so we, the Spirit has now indwelled uh, the, the heart and the, and the life of the believer. But one of the things that I want to be very clear of as we dive into this is, is just what are we doing here? Not just what are we doing here today, like right now in this moment, but what are we doing here? And I think that we're all here for one thing, and I'm talking specifically here as part of the Branch Church. We're here not because of who is preaching. We're here because who we are preaching about, okay? So if you're here or you're going to leave here because we had to change in preachers, you're here for the wrong reason. And I know that's heavy, and it might be kind of mean. I don't mean it to be mean. I mean it to, to uh, exhort you. Um, that a lot of times we do church because it feels good. It's what we like. It's what we're used to. We like the way that the songs are sung, or we don't like the way that the songs are sung. We like the guy. We like what he wears, or we don't like what he wears. We like what he has to say, or we don't like what he has to say. But here's the one thing that you will find here week after week, is that we will faithfully preach from God's Word the full counsel of His Word, the gospel that God saves sinners. That's it. Okay? So if you're committed to that, I'm committed to that. And that will be the one message. We'll use different parts of God's Word every week, particularly coming up in Exodus, to preach that one message. The entire book of Exodus is about God saving sinners. Okay? It is the gospel story in redemptive history. And I believe as we said goodbye to the guy who planted this church, who was crazy and faithful and courageous, that we said this last week, kind of in the interview where Gabe and I literally almost had the ends of our lives as we were sitting on this stage. Uh, my chair leg, by the way, was like three quarters of the way off. Okay? So I mean, we were just sitting there like that. So if, you know, if we felt emotional, it's because we thought we were going down, not because of any other reason. Okay? But I believe this, that a deep-rooted belief in the gospel mandates that we're always moving. We're always going, okay? If, if you think that following Jesus is a stagnant thing, you're following the wrong Jesus, okay? The gospel is a sending message. It's not a sit at home and be still and be comfortable message, okay? Now, sometimes that means that you dig in, okay? Maybe you don't move. 
Maybe you, you're here, but you're always moving because we're always going and we're always witnessing. We said it last week that missionaries are always saying goodbye. And here's what I love about the branch, okay, specifically about the city of Dahlonega. Uh, when, whenever you enter a, an environment or a community where really the bedrock of the community is a university, okay, and I know there's a lot of other things, but let's just, okay, but I think we can all agree that UNG is a big part of the fabric of our community, that colleges do the Great Commission in reverse, right? The Great Commission says, go to the ends of the earth, right? The university setting brings the ends of the earth to you. And so if we're not prepared, if we're not, as a church, if we're not prepared to receive the ends of the earth, then we're not ready, okay? And so some of you are here because of the school. And our job, my job, the elder's job, Dylan's job, Jared's job, Riley's job, is to constantly be training and working towards Christ's likeness because one day we're going to send you out whether it's through graduation or some other thing and you're going to be going to a place and we're going to be telling you goodbye because the gospel is a sending message it's a result of discipleship if we're not sending we're not growing if we're not sending we've forgotten the root the foundational element of the gospel I read this somewhere years ago, but you can't go with God and stay where you are. You can't. So we've got to be ready to move. And I think one of the greatest things that Gabe and Bree could leave us with is the faithfulness and the courage to do that. Okay? And so now it's time for us to root in and continue the mission of God in Dahlonega. I think of it like this. Have you ever seen a street sweeper, the big uh, Zamboni-looking thing, you know, where it's is cleaning the sidewalks, right? That's what we do kind of in family, uh, family reunions, right? We're going to take a big topic. We're going to kind of skim over the top of it, right? We're going we're gonna to take a broad stroke, and we're trying to take a big, meaty, we're really trying to open up discussion and conversation somewhere else. But in those environments, we're trying to just take a broad stroke at it. Here, on Sunday mornings, we're putting away the Zamboni thing. There's probably a proper name for it. I'll figure it out and fill you in. Um, and we, we pick up a broom, Right? We're going to dive a little bit deeper, and we're going to go in. And one of the things that we're committed to at the branch is we're going to exegetically preach God's Word. And here's what that means. We're going to take the text, and we're going to go verse by verse by verse by verse by verse. Okay? So when we say we're going to preach through Exodus, we're going to preach all the way through Exodus. Okay? We're not going to skip stuff because it's hard or it hurts our feelings. We're going to press in there, and we're going to take our broom, and we're going to keep sweeping. Right? And then in our family groups, we even go a step further. We, we lay down the broom, and we pick up a toothbrush. Right? And we get down, and we're like really, you know, we get a chisel, and we're trying to, we're just cleaning. Right? And so this idea of, of a street sweeping has always been a helpful illustration of the different elements of what we do. And that's really all we do at the branch. Okay? Now you, you know everything that we do. We, we gather to preach and hear the gospel, and then we go. Okay? Our family groups, we come in, we study God's word, and then we go. It's the rhythm of the Christian. So before we dive into Acts chapter 2, I want to kind of pave the way of where we are in redemptive history. So in Matthew 28, and we've already, I've already referred to this, uh, Jesus' last words are this. He says, go therefore and make disciples of how many nations? All of them. Okay? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I love this. We skip over this part for the sending message. But behold, I am with you always, okay? at all times, to the end of the age. And the end of the age is when he comes back and makes all things new. All the brokenness. And guys, I have seen so much brokenness this 
week. That I'm longing for that when he comes back and makes all things new, right? Whether it's broken families or lost jobs or whatever the devastation, the result of sin, okay? That's what it is. Uh, I saw a child this week who had been beaten at home, and it breaks your heart, right? It makes you long for Christ to come back and to make all things new, not as some sort of uh, retribution to whoever led the violence, and I don't know the whole story, but you see this kid just devastated, and it makes you cry out, Lord, come quickly. That is what we are doing here. We are singing that. Would you come quickly? He has promised, I am with you always to the end of the age. And you fast forward to Acts 1-8. Uh, I was a Dal- I'm a Dallas Seminary graduate. The very first assignment you have at Dallas Seminary is you take Acts 1-8 and you come up with 50 observations, okay? Literally, of the one verse, 50, 5, 0. And you have to put them on paper and you submit it. And then they give it back to you, and they say 50 more. And then you put your name on it, and you submit it. And they do it three times, three times, 150 observations. And if they're the same, you get a, you get a mark, right? But Acts 1.8 says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be, do you know this verse? You will be my what? What does it say? Witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. Guess what that is in reference to? The ends of the earth, okay? You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Where the Spirit of God reigns, there's a love of God's word. That's what this verse is telling us. And we are committed here as a church to love and to invest and to spend time studying God's word. If you've heard me teach at all over the last couple of years, that is the most passionate thing that I have in my entire life, is that I want you and I want me to know God's word. And so that's what we're going to do here. At Pentecost, the Spirit comes down, and we get this, this mark of a, it's a new beginning. It's a new era in salvation history where the Spirit now is indwelling the believer. He is among us. So let's jump in now to Acts 2, verse 42. I'm going to read, and then we'll come back and, and go through it, okay? Acts 2, verse 42. And really what we're trying to establish here is who are we? What is the church, and what are we doing It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And we all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love this passage because it really does lay the fabric for what we are to do, right? So you want to you plant a church? Well, here's, what, here's how you do that. It's the it's the footprint of what church is supposed to look like. And again, church isn't, you're not, we're, we're not a place. We are a people, and this is what the people do. And if the people do this, then the people are being the church, 
Okay? So in verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now here's why this is important, because just a few verses earlier, in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Specifically, they were talking, is kind of going through David, and it says, or a little earlier than that, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. Talking specifically about the crucifixion of Jesus. It says, Let all... Uh, now, verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? And this is what we should do. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The apostles' teaching, at this time, they didn't have the New Testament. You know that? There also wasn't the printing press, so the word of God that they had was the Old Testament, and it had been written and passed down mostly through, through oration, right? We speak stories in community, and we re-speak those stories over and over and over and over again. And then with the printing press, we kind of lost our ability to tell stories really well, okay? God's people have always been a people of story, and so how do we tell God's word is we just say it over and over and over again. And so when they were talking about the apostles' teaching, they were talking specifically about the remembrance of the life and the work of Jesus Christ. And most recently, the death, burial, and resurrection. That's what made it different. It was the resurrection of Jesus and the fellowship. Okay? I want to put a word up here, not to scare you, but this is, the word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. Okay? It's a very, very important word because we lose our ability to understand in English when we just label it fellowship. It's translated a few different ways throughout the New Testament. Uh, common is one of the ways that koine, it's used again in Acts 2 later. We'll come back around to koine. But koinonia is this idea of fellowship. It is we have all things in common, right? And we're willing to walk together as a family. That's why we do everything we do as a church is through the context of living life on mission as a family, okay? We are a family of God sent into the world. But in the early church, fellowship cost them something, okay? It cost them something. It was very costly. So true fellowship only comes through this idea of giving. It's a sacrificial giving. So if you've been to a family group, our family groups are the most generous environment of the branch church because what do we do there? We share a meal together, okay? And it's not like one family prepares the meal every week. It's everyone is bringing something in. That's what fellowship looks like. And what do we do when we have the meal? We're going to come back around this idea of breaking bread here in a minute. We slow down, okay? It's not an accident that we do family groups the way that we do them. Because a lot of us, the pace of life, if you've got kids, if you've got jobs, or you're in school and you're going from exam to exam, to work, to home, to kids' sports, we need to press pause. And when do we press pause is when we come together as the body of Christ. And that's what a family group does. And so uh, I say this as often as I can. If you're not in a family group, you need to be in a family group. That is the life of the branch church. But this idea of koinonia as fellowship is not coming to the church to see what you can get out of it. It's coming to the church to see what you can bring into it. Okay? And let that sit for a minute. A lot of times we come to church and we're coming for a particular aspect of the church, right? I love the music. I love the teaching. It's bigger than that. There will come a day when either God takes me or he moves me. And so if you're here because I'm teaching, you're here for the wrong reason. There's going to come a day when Riley, God's either going to take him or move him. And so if you're coming for the music, you're going to be let down when that day comes. But if you're coming for the meat, the fruit of the gospel, 
then you're going to be here and you're going to be fulfilled here because God is going to do a work through the preaching, consistent preaching of the gospel. So there's two things, right? The apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Then there's two more things. It's the breaking of bread and the prayers. The breaking of bread, specifically echoing back, and we do this week after week, tables are in the back now, where we stop and we take communion in remembrance of the Lord's body broken and his blood spilt. So if you're here and this is new for you, communion is new for you, doing it every week, that is why we do it. This is part of what the church does, is we are going to break the bread that reminds us of Christ's broken body. We're going to dip it in the cup in remembrance of his spilled blood. And then together, as brothers and sisters, we are going to be renewed, right, in that remembrance. So we have the breaking of bread and the prayers. Have you ever, um, anybody have an excellent prayer life? Just curious. No one? Man, shocked by that. Me either. Okay? I really enjoy praying. One of the things that, you know, people have, have asked me, like, so what's your vision for the church? And I'm like, well, that's, it's this right here. Uh, well, how many people come? No idea. I have no idea. Somebody told me once how many chairs we put out, so I could kind of try to do reverse mathematics and figure out how many people are here. I don't care. I don't. I want there to be more people here because I know here we're going to preach the gospel and some of you are going to stay here and some of you are going to leave here and that's okay. As long as you're going to a place that's faithfully teaching the word of God and preaching the gospel, then that's fine, okay? The Branch Church is not a perfect church. God didn't plant this church in order for it to be the first perfect church. There's never been one and there won't be, okay? In Acts 2, this first church that's being planted, guess what? It was messy, it wasn't perfect. People left. And it's okay, right? And so what we have to commit to as brothers and sisters is we're not, gonna, we're not in this idea and this game of competition. There are other great churches in this city. And what is God calling us to do? To join them in his mission in the world. It's not our mission. It's God's mission in the world. And so I want to, when people ask me, like, well, how many, how many members do you have? I mean, there's a spreadsheet and I guess I could, there's a number next to it, but I, I don't know. I, this week, I, I just I went through the, the people's, the members, the membership, and I prayed line by line for every person that was in here. But I'd never found myself being, oh, I wonder how, how do we get more members? I don't know. That's not the vision for the church, right? Membership, let me just press in here for a second if you're okay with it. Membership here is not this elite classification of those people who are better Christians than those who haven't joined yet, okay? So if you've been on the fence of joining uh, the branch because you didn't know what it was about, here's what it's about. It's about men and women covenanting together to walk in Christ's likeness under the authority that God has given the, the people of this church. We're going to say, hey, look, if you're going through something, I'm going to walk with you no matter what. You need help? I'm here to help. That's what Acts 2 is doing. Look at verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together. They were together and had all things in common. Here's what that doesn't mean, and I'm going to let you in on, on who I am, okay, as a, as a human being real quick. Okay, I've never watched Star Wars. Never. Well, I started it once, Okay. But can I have something in common, what God is saying here? Can I have something in common with someone who loves Star Wars? Yeah, maybe. I'm a huge Alabama fan, OK? 
okay? Sorry. If you need to leave now, then now's the time to go, right? There's a guy who wears an Alabama hat here, so at least I'm not alone, all right? But I may not have everything in common when it comes to worldly things. That's not what we're talking about. The, the koine, right? We're going back to this word, koinonia, fellowship, koine. The one thing that we have in common is that we were dead in our trespasses, made alive through the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what we have in common, okay? And that's what we're covenanting to. So we may have different personalities. I'm very different than Gabe, okay? I'm not as outgoing. I'm not as funny. I don't make fun of my parents, right? At least not publicly, okay? My parents are here, uh, so I wouldn't do that anyways. I still fear them uh, in a righteous way, right? But I'm different than Gabe, I am. My passions are different. My teaching style is different. And that's okay. But guess what we have in common? Faithfulness to God's word and a commitment and conviction to preach it every single week. Look at verse 45. Verse 45 says, They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had Now, be very careful when you read this. This is not a call to Christian socialism, okay? Because later on, it says that they were breaking bread in their homes, okay? All of the excess, all of the stuff that wasn't necessary, they were getting rid of because they weren't going to carry, like, you're not going to carry all this stuff, this baggage around, this extra stuff. Andrew was talking about, they cleaned out their closet this week, right? Have you ever cleaned out your closet and be like, why do I have so much? Wait till you have children. Why do I have so much stuff? You, oh, every year, like when our kids have birthdays, you're like, just no toys. Just send them on an adventure and maybe take them out of my house. Like, that would be fun too. Just give us a day off, right? But we have so much stuff, right? And that's part of our, the culture, the American culture that we live in. Here's what this looks like. It means selling it in order to meet the need of the person who has a need next to you. Because we have all things in common, there's nothing that I have that I wouldn't give for you. And please hear me say that. This is my first technical day of being your lead pastor. I will do anything for you because I know that you'll do anything for me. In the weeks, the weeks previous to this week, I've gotten letters, text messages, phone calls. Somebody brought Bluebell by the house. Like, that's how you love me and my family. Straight up. Not that, I mean, the Bluebell is really sweet. Um, and if you ever wanted to, I'll give you my address, Okay. But there's consistent encouragement, even from people who aren't yet committed to the branch, even last week, sneaking into the corner and just saying words of encouragement, not just over me, but over my family. That's what the people of God do. And that's what I'm going to commit to doing for you, because I know you're going to commit to doing it for me. They, had, they were selling all their possessions, back to verse 45, and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. We need an awareness. We need to open our eyes to the needs around us because they are here. And guess what? They're in this room. There are ways that we can serve each other in ways that some people may never know. Verse 46, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread. Back to this idea of breaking bread. In their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. That's what verse 45 is getting at. Selling your possessions and belongings and distributing them, that's an act of generosity. There's one act of generosity that pivoted all of human history, and it happened on the place of the skull, the Mount of the Skull, when Christ laid down his life for you and I. That was the greatest act of generosity that the world has ever seen. Now, when this was being 
written, when Luke wrote Acts, the gospel wasn't offensive yet. Okay? It became offensive later. But it was certainly anti-cultural. Oh, you mean I didn't bring nothing to the table in order to be made right to God? What? Yeah, that's what the gospel says. You were dead in your trespasses, made alive in Christ Jesus. One of the things that's interesting, and I'm a, I'm a word guy, okay, um, is if you reread Acts 2, 42 through 47, every new sentence starts with and, except for the last one, okay? So, and they devoted themselves, and all came upon every soul, and all who believed were together, and they were selling their possessions, and day by day, and then verse 47, what are they doing? They're praising God. They're praising God and having favor with all the people. The church has exploded at this point. Earlier in Acts, we see the Lord added 3,000 to their number. Can you imagine? Uh, when we first planted a church in Texas, we went from like 20 people to 100 and like, I don't remember, it was like 180 people. And we were like, we don't know what to do with them. And so we had to like press time out. We were literally handing people their first Bibles. Like we didn't have leadership. We didn't have elders at the time. Like we were just like flying by the seat of our pants. Okay, And we had to figure out we needed godly people. And we have them here. If you've been paying attention, if you've been around, there have been two, two things that the Lord has done in his sovereignty and in his grace to our church. One, look at the kids' ministry. Have you seen how many children are in this church? Have you? If you haven't, open your eyes, walk down that hallway, and just peek through the window. It's going to be a little creepy, but half those kids, I think, are mine, so I'm good with it. So. But look. There are kids everywhere, and it seems like every week there's a, there's a new one coming or a new one's being, it's here, right? Okay. So God's doing something. The other is the opposite of the baby. The Lord has been super gracious. One thing that church plants always suffer from is a lack of godly, older people who've lived through some of the trials that younger people are about to walk into. You're going to sit for an interview, and you're not going to get the job. Somebody else has too. You're going to get married and, and have a hard time getting pregnant. Somebody else was too. There are people here who have walked through stages of life that you're going to walk through. And so one of the greatest gifts that God has given us over the course of the last six months to a year is godly people who, are, who have raised kids who are here. Okay? Now, wisdom doesn't just come with age. Okay? Some of it comes through life experiences and a commitment to God's word. But there are people here. And so if you're young and you're like, man, I just want, to, I want someone to disciple me, they're here. Go meet with them. And one of the things that I've noticed is they're very generous. And I don't mean like they're going to give you a bunch of money. I mean, they're generous. They're going to, they're going to invite you into their home. They might let you bring your laundry. They're going, to, they're going to commit to walking through life with you. I promise you that. And guess what? Those are the same people who are here because you're here. They want to give their life to that. They want you to see Jesus through the way that they treat you because one day you're going to do the same for someone else. That's called a gospel legacy. It's for every passing generation we are giving the favor and the excellencies and the beauty of who Jesus is to the ones that come behind us. So why are we here? It's plain and simple. We sang it. We exist to bring glory to God. That's it. We exist to bring glory to God in everything that we do. From the hanging out at the coffee shop to family groups to the way that 
our kids are being trained in these rooms. Okay, my son is here. He was miserably sick yesterday. But he, today was an important day for him because you guys have loved him. He's here. Now he's in the back by himself, so, you know, whatever, that whole thing. Um, but he's here. All right? And he loves you, don't you? <laughs> he's like, why'd you draw attention to me? Right? That's what church does because church isn't this place, it's who we are. We exist to bring glory to God in everything we do. We exist to see lives change through the preaching of the gospel, and we exist for those who aren't here yet. Okay? I'm going to say those three things again. We exist to bring glory to God in everything that we do. We exist to see lives change through the preaching of the gospel, and that doesn't just happen here on Sunday morning. Okay? That's not just my job. That's all of our jobs. All right? And we exist for those who are not here yet. Flip over, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to start landing the plane. One of the great gifts of, um, of me stepping in for Gabe is our sh- sermons are much shorter. Okay? He and I were texting this morning. I said, I bet I finish before you do. So right now we're on pace to finish way before he does. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm going to just pick up in verse 9, and there's a lot going on in the life of the Corinthians, and I promise one day we'll, we'll do a deep dive on, we'll probably do a deep dive on Acts too, but uh, 1 Corinthians is, is such a meaty, weighty book in, and written out of care and love uh, for the church in Corinth. One of the things that Paul does throughout the New Testament is he always identifies himself as a brother as a gospel bearer. And so whether he does it as like a bond servant or a slave to Christ, he's always identifying himself as someone who's willing to give everything that he has in order to serve the body of Christ. Okay, so that's, that's where we are in 1 Corinthians. So I'm going to read from uh, verse 9 through 11 of chapter 6. And there's some heavy hitting in here, so just be patient, okay? Verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Question mark. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. And such were some of you. But... But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the, what? Spirit of our God. What I love about this particular passage is no one's left out of the sins that were stated before then. No one, okay? And if you're like, well, my sin's not on there. Bull, yes it is. Yes, it is. He doesn't need an et cetera, okay? It's there. All of us are there. And such were some of you. But God. But God. And it wasn't, he's not saying you, you will be washed or you are being washed. He said you were washed. You have been washed already in Christ Jesus. You were sanctified. You were 
justified. You were made whole again in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is about God. That's what he cares about. And he cares about us. But he is about his glory. And that's not some sort of deist elitism or narcissism. It is who he is, the uncreated one. He is the author and perfecter of all things. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? As the branch church, we're, we're going to preach and proclaim the gospel here and out there. I promise you one thing that when we come in here, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it with integrity, and we're going to do it with faith, and we're going to do it with courage, and we're going to do it with a lot of conviction, okay? Because that's the most important thing that we can do. And I want you, and I want you for me, to keep pointing each other towards Jesus. Because as soon as we stop, as soon as we care about the way that the lights are angled more than we care about that, or the way, as soon as we care about, oh, well, let's get us a nice building that we don't have to do this, as soon as we care about all of those other things, and we forget about this, we've lost our purpose entirely. And so when you ask, like, what's your vision? What is the church going to look like in 10 years? I do not know. I do not know. But I know this. We're going to keep doing this. And we're going to keep doing this. And we're going to keep doing this. Week after week after week. And sure, God may move us. He may, we may change the way we do certain things, but we're only going to do it with one thing in mind, and that is to faithfully preach the gospel in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the Spirit of God. So maybe you've been coming for a while, okay? I'm going to take this, we're landing right here, okay? So maybe you've been here for a while, and you've been consuming the product of the branch, Okay? Stop. Now's the time to press in. And I want to say this. Uh, I love you, okay? I do. If you're here because it's convenient, this isn't the place for you. It's not. Because I'm going to challenge you. The elders are going to challenge you. Dylan and Jared are going to challenge you. The person sitting next to you is going to challenge to get plugged in. We need you here, Okay? We need you here, but we don't need you just to sit here. We need you to be here, fully present, like a family that comes around a table. This week, uh, we lost a ton of volunteers in the kids, okay? If you're going to step up and serve in the kids, be faithful there. They need you. If there's no volunteers, we shut it down. And if we shut it down, guess where they go? In here. I'm just joking. But if you're going to commit to serving our kids, would you, would you commit to serving them well? Okay? If you're going to commit to serving on a worship team or on a tech team or serving alongside of one of our family groups, would you serve them well? Invest, plug in, dig deep roots. And if you're only here for a few years until you get a degree, then we got a few years. Dig in deep. Okay? If you're here at the end of your career, dig in deep. Let's do this together. The Branch is a gospel-centered community living 
on mission. Living on mission means we're never sitting still. We're not busybodies, but we're never sitting still. We exist for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So next week, we're going to press into Palm Sunday and Easter, and then we're going to do a deep dive into Exodus. And so I pray that you will commit into a family group as we really do the street sweeping in our family groups, and we'll do some of that here. But as we move into a time of communion, it is a response. We take communion as a response to the gospel. There's a declaration as you pick up a piece of bread that this is the body of Christ broken for me. Broken for me. This is the blood of Christ poured out. Every week we read the same passage. I'm going to read it now. This is 1 Corinthians 11. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim together. If you're a believer this morning, will you join us in communion? If you're not, think about this. Let's press into who God is and what he's called us to. And together as brothers and sisters, let's commit to doing all things for the glory of God and the glory of God alone. Will you pray? Father, we thank you for this morning. Just a time to worship and to study the word of God, your word. Sovereignly left for us so that we might know you, know who you are, know what you care about to see the world the way that you see the world, to hear the stories of our neighbors and classmates and coworkers, our children, our friends, the way that you hear their stories and their cries. God, I pray that you would give us courage to love those who are not here and to love those who are here. Would you help us to never be concerned about growing our brand or growing our thing, but help us to always keep a clear eye, a clear vision on who you are and what you're about. I pray that in all we do, we bring glory to you and to you alone. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the great privilege and honor to walk alongside them in this new season of ministry. We pray for Gabe right now as he's halfway through a sermon, his first sermon in a new church. I pray that you just preach the gospel clearly, that people would respond in a way that they may never have before. God, we trust you to do what you're going to do. We believe by faith and in faith and through faith that you are making all things new. And that includes me and includes those who are here. So we love you, we praise you, and I pray now as we enter into a time of communion, you will help us to remember the beautiful life of our Lord Jesus who came and died to reconcile us to himself. So we love you, we pray all these things in Jesus' beautiful name, amen.